You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Hoodat Nation, and welcome to Locked on Saints, brought to you by the Locked on Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host, covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it every single Monday through Friday. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com. Welcome to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the jump. Hoodat family, and welcome into today's episode of Locked on Saints. And what a game we got to witness last night. My goodness. We'll open up the show with a quick recap of the action the Saints getting their first win in opening season action in five years then we'll take a look at what went well and then we'll close out by taking a look at where the Saints still have some work to do including some major struggles where they were one of the best last year we got all that and a little bit of land yeah for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints your team every day the Saints pull out a nail biter in New Orleans taking on the Houston Texans getting this win 30 to 28 which came down to literally the last seconds of the game. The Saints started off in the first half not looking too great. I mean, look, here's the thing. They were able to move the ball 181 total yards, 160 through the air, 21 on the ground. They were able to move the ball. It's just that once they got into the red zone, they had a zero for two red zone proficiency grade. They did not do well in the red zone. One of those ended up being an interception by Whitney Merciless. Just a great play by him. Pressure from Zach Cunningham as your breeze was rolling out to the right, trying to extend the play. Tried to throw off his back foot to get it to Latavius Murray. Not an easy window to fit it in, the window being between Zach Cunningham, who's bearing down on him, and Whitney Merciless, who just made a great play. Now, I mentioned Whitney Merciless as the guy to watch in the pass rush, but I did not expect him to be the guy picking off Drew Brees in the red zone. So that drive ended up falling flat. The Saints defense actually started off great. You could see them getting after the quarterback, getting after Deshaun Watson, keeping him uncomfortable, making sure that the Texans' offense never really got a chance to click into rhythm. However, all of that changed once we got into the second quarter and all of a sudden the Saints defense was letting some of these big plays start to happen you could see it trickle in big one came down on fourth and one Deshaun Watson on a zone read scrambles to the outside Saints don't contain they've been getting beat up in the run on the interior all game so far that whole first quarter and then so Deshaun Watson fakes it up the middle he takes it around the edge and ends up going for 21 yards with a diving leap into the end zone it's pretty spectacular came down hard on his back which continued to bother him throughout the game but obviously did not bother him enough to slow him down at all. So then the Saints end up getting a field goal in the next possession and then end up giving up another touchdown later on a very long drive. This one was a 16-play drive that actually included two third and longs that ended up being converted thanks to penalty, a third and eight thanks to a defensive holding penalty by P.J. Williams, should sound familiar, and then a third and 16. That the So the Saints ended up getting a stop on, uh, only allowing a 12-yard gain. Should have been a fourth and four, but there was a holding, I'm sorry, an offside penalty on Cameron Jordan. So then the Texans got a third and 11 and then the next play gained 12 yards. So there were five different third and long situations for the Texans that were converted either by penalty or by the Saints defense, just simply allowing it to happen. So then the Texans get in, they score another touchdown. This is a two-yard touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins in the back of the end zone there. And then the Saints get the ball back with some time for a two-minute warning. And then we get our next dose of the saga between Saints fans and New Orleans Saints. And I'm putting that in the same category, of course, because it's, it's all the same. And the refs and NFL officials 
officiating. So this is basically what happened. I'm going to try to run through this quickly so I can finish out the game. But basically what happened was there was a 10-second runoff that should have been started at the end of the play, which was around 41 seconds. But they ended up running the clock off from where they decided to initiate the replay, which they said wasn't until 26 seconds. But they actually blew the whistle at 28. But that's all right. It's whatever. So they ended up giving this 10-second runoff. Sean Payton was given the option to burn a timeout. But he said no because the defense still has to play you and has to be honest when you have that timeout. The Saints end up getting into field goal position still with only 16 seconds to work with when they should have had 31. You'll hear more about it throughout the week, I'm sure. Uh, But they end up missing the field goal. 56-yard attempt by Will Lutz ends up missing. Saints go into halftime down 14-3. to Then everything changes. Then it becomes the shootout that I thought this game would be. Second half, Latavius Murray runs in a 30-yard touchdown following a big 41-yard pitch and catch between Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, and then the fireworks get going. Saints score, Texans score, Saints score again on a touchdown pass to Taysom Hill, who will this year catch, pass, and run for a touchdown. I'm I'm calling it. He's already got the passing the receiving touchdown down that's one he didn't have last year so he gets a touchdown and then the Saints end up trailing now but they've closed the gap to only four points 21 to 17 then Marcus Williams three plays into the Texans next drive gets a huge deep ball interception played the ball beautifully great speed great closing speed ends up getting suplexed by uh, DeAndre Hopkins who later said well the ref told me I couldn't tackle like that so I guess I'll just play touch football from now on when simple truth is you can't lift somebody over your head and then drop them onto their head DeAndre you just simply can't do that so then the Saints take advantage of that, get some points off the turnover, 14-yard touchdown to uh, Traquan Smith from Drew Brees. With that, they take the lead for the first time in this contest. A couple drives later, they get a field goal. 27-21 becomes a six-point game, and then the Texans just go bonkers. Deshaun Watson goes bonkers. He gets two plays, gets the ball with 50 seconds left on the clock. Two plays, 38 yards to DeAndre Hopkins, 37 yards for a touchdown to Kenny Stills, and then Chauncey Gardner Johnson has his welcome to the NFL moment. After that touchdown, everything tied up 27-27. Fairbaum, the Texas kicker, takes the field to kick the extra point and he misses it. But unfortunately, Chauncey Gardner Johnson called for the roughing the kicker penalty. A little ticky tack, not gonna lie, a little bit of a tic tac penalty there, but it's all good. It's whatever. He goes, he kicks, you know, they get to re-kick, he makes it this time, and it puts the Saints in position to go for broke, and they do it. 37 seconds, Drew Brees. 15 yards to Ted Ginn, 11 yards to Michael Thomas, 9 yards to Ted Ginn, including that play started at 6 seconds, took them 4 seconds to gain 9 yards, Aaron Colvin playing way off of Ted Ginn Jr. because he got burnt by Ted Ginn Jr. earlier in the contest, sets up Will Lutz for a 58-yard field goal, thanks to Sean Payton saving the time out. 58 yards after missing from 56. Will Lutz drills it absolute straight and true and the Saints walk out of the dome with an opening night win. Their first one, their first week one win since 2013, breaking the five-year losing streak 30-28. to A hell of a game. Man, what a game that was. My goodness. All right, so that's a quick recap for the game. Hell of a way to open up the season. Don't want to see that multiple times throughout the year. My heart can't take it. Next, we're going to jump into uh, what I liked about the game, what I saw from the Saints that I really liked, and then we'll talk about what I think they still need to improve on the short week ahead of taking on the Los Angeles Rams at the Coliseum. But first, let me ask you a quick question. If you found $100 in the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course, you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and 
and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you to bet with my bookie if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can even bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half, it looks like your original bet's going to lose, you can always just take the other side. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all of your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year to do it. Join now at my bookie and they will double your first deposit. Use the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So with the recap under our belts now being refreshed on what happened at last night, exactly what happened, uh, it was all a blur in a way. Uh, but with all of that under our belt, we'll jump now into taking a look at what it is that we liked about the Saints last week. You know, I try to bring the positivity, but I try to be realistic as well. So the next segment will be about what we didn't like and what they still need to improve heading over to Los Angeles. So let's, let's start off with that positivity, though. Uh, this pass rush. We'll start there. The pass rush, six sacks, 11 hits on the quarterback, 16.7%. Sack to snap ratio, very good, very, very good. All of that on 29 total pressures. The Saints defensive line really did their job when it came to the pass rush. The guys that walked away with a sack, Trey Hendrickson had two, Alex Anzalone, PJ Williams, Malcolm Brown, and Cam Jordan all with one. Demario Davis should have had one, man. He came completely untouched up the line, but wasn't able to wrangle uh, Deshaun Watson. And Tad, look, sack, sacking Deshaun Watson is not an easy task because he can move around, he's mobile, he can do all of that. And so to see this pass rush come through with six total sacks with an additional five hits on the quarterback. Just a great game uh, for the pass rush. Really looking forward to seeing if they're going to be able to keep that up against a much better offensive line next week, but they also get David on Yamada back as well. So we'll see exactly how that shakes up the defensive line a little bit and what they're able to do in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. So we're going to jump over to the offensive side of the ball, but keeping the trenches for the liked over there, and that is the offensive line. This was a fantastic game by the offensive line with a bit of a challenge. I mean, this was not an easy game. This is not easy personnel to match up against J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, these guys that are very good pass rushers. Whitney Merciless did get a sack, but the Saints as a whole allowed only eight total pressures. That sack actually, according to Pro Football Focus, is not actually being credited against any offensive linemen. So this is a solid game against a very, very talented pass rushing group. Ryan Ramchick deserves a big shout out here as well, holding J.J. Watt to basically not even appearing on the stat sheet. He had no tackles, no hits, no sacks. And that was the first time in 105 career games that that has ever happened to J.J. Watt. So good job by Ryan Ramchick. Give a little shout out as well to Larry Warford, who pulled together a 92.0 pro football focus grade, who was a big part of the double teams when Ryan Ramchick did have a little bit of help. But Ryan Ramchick was primarily responsible for locking down J.J. Watt, and he did absolutely that. This is a great game for the offensive line protecting Drew Brees. Now we'll jump into some of these individual players that I really like through this game. And let me give a shout out to the dude, Taysom Hill. He threw a big time block on a defensive end to spring a positive run play. He also had two runs for eight yards in which he ran over a couple of defenders, really just loves that contact and had one catch for nine yards and a receiving touchdown. QB three doing it all in New Orleans. Michael Thomas, 10 catches for 123 yards, picking up exactly where he left off. But the wide receiver I want to give a shout out to is Ted Ginn Jr seven catches for 101 yards and if you don't have Ted Ginn Jr. on that field you don't get those big passes toward the end of the game remember the first and final passes of the uh, big drive the game-winning drive from Drew Brees went to 
and were caught by Ted Ginn Jr. So shout out Ted Ginn for giving the Saints a second wide receiver option. Missed him terribly throughout the 2018 season. Alvin Kamara had a big day, 97 yards on the ground, an additional 72 through the air, 169 yards total. Just had one of his usual games. He picked up a big 41-yard pass and catch and had a couple of great run plays. His balance is just, it's inexplicable. You, you can't explain what it is that Alvin Kamara does and the way that he uses the tackles of other players to keep himself on his feet. It's incredible. He'll bounce off of one tackle and then take on another tackle to help right himself and then continue to pick up some yards. He's just an incredible player. Drew Brees, of course, started off his night with an interception, but went for two touchdowns, 370 yards, 32 of 43 passing. Uh, That's a 74.4 completion percentage, so he is just as accurate and deadly as ever. Uh, Traquan Smith got a touchdown. Taysom Hill caught a touchdown, which we mentioned earlier. And then a big shout out to Latavius Murray, 43 rushing yards, averaged 7.2 yards per carry, and then also had the big uh, 30-yard touchdown. He just shows his value to you. He was able to come in and be that complimentary role that the Saints wanted him to be with Alvin Kamara, so he's looking to fit in right away. Jared Cook, only two catches for 37 yards, but some big ones there. That's 18 and a half yard average. He also had a couple of first downs with each of those catches as well, so he was pivotal in that action. Uh, When it comes over to the defensive side of the ball, Cam Jordan had a big night, put together a sack and a couple tackles for a loss as well. Demario Davis had an active night, would have loved for him to have gotten that sack, but still did a good job out there commanding the defense and doing his usual good work on the mental side of the game. And then you've got Marshawn Lattimore, who does deserve a shout out here. When it comes to his matchup against DeAndre Hopkins, he actually played really well. Yes, he's credited for allowing the two-yard touchdown early in the game, but from that point until the very last drive where he allowed the big, or he's credited as allowing the big 38-yard pass down the field, that big two-play touchdown drive that essentially put the, the Texans ahead. Outside of that, he had only allowed three catches on six targets to match up on DeAndre Hopkins for 13 yards. And then the big 38-yard play makes it 51 yards. But he matched up very well against DeAndre Hopkins and does deserve some credit because look, when you're playing against, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in football, those plays are going to happen. Marcus Williams gets a shout out here as well. I know a lot of people look at that tackle or missed tackle, quote unquote, I guess you can call it uh, when Deshaun Watson ran for that 21 yard touchdown early in the game, but whatever, you can give him crap for it if you want. He's not even credited with a missed tackle in that play. That's really just a fantastic play by Deshaun Watson. So I would rather give Deshaun Watson some credit and also give Marcus Williams some credit for the interception that changed the course of the game for the Saints and really helped shift momentum back to them in the second half. So that was huge. And then the last two players I'll give individual shout outs to here over on the defensive side. Trey Hendrickson, four total pressures, two sacks, two hurries, proved that he can be during the regular season exactly what he looked like in the preseason as well as training camp. And I'm going to give a shout out here to Marcus Davenport too, who look, didn't really show up much on the stat sheet, but played that Sheldon Rankins, I'm going to deal with these blockers so y'all can go eat real quick type play. And he made it work, yo. I mean, look, he opened up lanes for uh, Trey Hendrickson to get a sack as well as Alex Anzalone and PJ Williams all benefited from the play of Marcus Davenport. So those are some of the players and some of the elements of the game that looked good to me. Coming up next, we're going to talk about what didn't look so good. What do the Saints need to improve before they head to Los Angeles on the short week? So I got that coming up for you. But first, don't forget to make memories last a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Use the promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. 
So now that we've gone through our positives, let's talk a little bit about what it is that the Saints need to improve ahead of week two. And we'll start off with the most fundamental thing here. And the first one is tackling. Uh, wrap up, stop making these arm tackles, stop going for people's feet, things like that. Some of these things are not huge. Don't get me wrong. And they didn't have a, an enormous amount of missed tackles. They only had nine. The Texans had 11. But when it comes to when these tackles took place, you're talking about missed sacks. You're talking about missed tackles in the backfield that ended up turning into a plus 15 yard gain just in terms of from when they should have been tackled to when they were tackled these these tackles that should be losses turning into positives you don't want to see that you don't want to see that you don't want to see these missed sacks demario davis's missed sack when he came in completely untouched things like that so that's one of the big things is going to be improving tackling we heard sean payton put an emphasis on this during the preseason after the first game that was his first note was that well i definitely thought that we tackle better and so that's something they're going to continue to work on this is one of those things that you always see the saints and really any other team. Like I said, Houston didn't have didn't have much more in terms of missed tackles. They had 11 while the Saints had nine. And so you see this across the NFL, and this comes from not playing conventional full contact practices at all. They don't get to bring anyone down to the ground until preseason. And so with that being the case, this can be a tough adjustment. And it's just going to take a little bit of time, but I definitely see the Saints spending some time emphasizing, tackling, and improving that facet of their game ahead of that week two matchup. The next big element that I'm looking for them to improve in is the run defense. They allowed a total of 180 rushing yards, including 40 to Deshaun Watson alone. They also allowed 82 up the middle and another 80 around the edge. So it was really all a on the defensive line where they couldn't get contained. There were some issues within the interior playing, you know, playing without David Onyemata, playing without Sheldon Rankins. Of course, that's going to be the case. Those edge guys probably having to try to, I need to watch the film. We don't have all 22 yet, but after I watch the film, I'll be able to figure out exactly what it was that caused the edge guys to lose so much contain. Were they trying to play a little bit leaning toward the interior, trying to play maybe some inside moves so that they could help out in the interior if a run goes up there when they did expect a run to go there, whatever that might be. And then with those cutbacks that end up going to the outside, the Saints just couldn't keep contained. 180 rushing yards is the most, is the largest sum of rushing yards that they've allowed since the 2016 season, where they allowed 217 against Atlanta in week three of that 2016 season. And then of course, I have to mention the secondary here, but I'm mentioning the secondary with a little bit of understanding. So what I mean by that is that what you should know about the secondary here in this game is that it's not the entire secondary. Von Bell played a great game. Marcus Williams played a great game. Marshawn Lattimore, even up until uh, that final big 38-yard catch by DeAndre Hopkins at the end of the game, also played a great game, even though he's matched up with one of the best receivers in the NFL. The thing about this game was that Eli Apple and P.J. Williams got picked on, and especially P.J. Williams, because of the penalties that he'll commit, because he's not a very good, he doesn't really have top-end speed, so he's not really that great away from the line of scrimmage. He's really great in short yardage situations, short yardage guarding of the receiver. But once a receiver goes deep, he's going to eventually lose track or he's going to get left behind. And so teams are going to continue to pick on him and expect to see that early on in the season until either the Saints make a change in the slot or until PJ Williams sinks in and gets back to that comfortable place that he was in toward the end of last season. I imagine they're going to wait a while to see if the latter happens because that's the preferable solution here. But the fact of the matter is that PJ Williams is going to get picked on early on in the season. 
Now, Marcus Williams did suffer a little bit of an injury. He did come back into the game, though, so we'll see exactly how that progresses throughout the week, so I'm not too worried about it. But the fact of the matter is that when it comes to the secondary, they're going to get picked on, and they're going to get picked on over the course of the next few weeks. They've got the Rams coming up who have a good wide receiver core in Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, as well as Robert Woods. You've got the Seattle Seahawks who are throwing the ball well with Tyler Lockett and now DK Metcalf. And then you've got the Cowboys who just watched their quarterback go for a perfect quarterback rating throwing to Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. That was against the Giants. So we'll see what happens and if they're able to maintain that. But either way, the Saints are going to be tested over these next three weeks, which is what we expected in the first week, first four weeks of the season. But that secondary in particular is going to get picked on. So whatever those holes are, whatever needs to be patched, they'll need to patch up quickly because there's not a lot of time for adjustment throughout the beginning of the schedule. And then I've only got two things in particular that I'm a little concerned about over on the offensive side, but they're not big concerns because again, this is one of those, these are both one of those things that small sample sizes don't really do you justice, but let's roll with it because I'd like to see them emphasize it in the second week and moving forward. That's red zone conversion percentage. Um, you know, they started off the game early with 0 for 2. Uh, and so you want to see them convert when they get into scoring distance. So that's one big part. And then the other big part is just establishing the run game earlier. It took a little while for the run game to get going. Drew Brees threw 43 passes in this game, which is not the game that the Saints have liked to play over the last couple of years. And a lot of that had to do with them having to throw the ball early. They didn't really take any time to establish the run game. I don't know how much of that has to do with a little bit of discomfort in the run game at first. But then when when they really started to let it go and they started to get Latavius Murray involved, started to get Alvin Kamara involved on the ground, then all of a sudden this offense opened up big time. So I'd like to see them establish that a little bit earlier. And then again, you've heard me talk about it a lot throughout the preseason, but I want to see them convert in the red zone. It's simple. Uh, and you know, look, some of these games are going to be different when they're not having to play against the errors of the refs and they're not having to play against themselves. I mean, they kind of stepped on their own toes a couple of times throughout this game with the penalties, especially over on the defensive side. And so we'll see what it is that they do to clean up all of those things. But I'm feeling positive about the Saints moving forward. I don't feel like this is a one-game fluke kind of a win and that they're going to struggle based on what we saw in this game. In fact, considering that we know that David Onyemata is coming back next week, Sheldon Rankins is only a few weeks from returning himself, and then it's only going to take a little bit of time for this defense to really get back to playing with full cohesion. I'm not really concerned at all. I actually feel very positive about what the Saints are bringing. And right now, look, they're sitting on top of the NFC South. They're the only team to win. The other three NFL NFC South teams, frankly, looked awful. Maybe the Panthers looked pretty good against the Rams, but the other guys looked pretty terrible. So the Saints are in a good position here with the NFC South looking the way that it's looking after one week of action. Early sample size, I know, but still, still feeling pretty good about what the competition is within the division. So with that being the case, now the next thing is, how long is it going to take for the Saints defense to get clicking? And the big thing is, can you keep it from taking as long as it's taken in the previous couple of seasons and then get them clicking earlier so that this team can operate at all cylinders. The offense is firing. Special teams was huge in this game. We'll talk about that more later on this week. Now, can the defense step up and execute at a level of productivity that they can maintain over the course of the 2019 season? All right, y'all, that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for being with me as we recap the Saints opening victory. First one in five years. Great feeling there. But we're already ready to turn our attention to the Los Angeles Rams. Make sure you come back tomorrow for crossover Wednesday's episode with Bayer Mater of Locked on Rams. 
to help preview that game. Then we'll come back, talk a little bit more about this, and then we'll continue to move forward because here we are, yo. We're in rhythm now. It's the NFL season. It's here and it's cooking. So thank you, everybody, as always, for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And don't forget, if you have not already, go ahead and subscribe and drop that five-star rating and review. Thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints. And trust who that nation, I'll holla at you.